there was silence. Um, hi, I'm not from the Bible Society. Um, I'm Blaine. Um, and we are going to get stuck into things straight away because um, what better time to preach God's Word than right now. So, um, grab your Bibles or devices. Holler if you've got a paper Bible. One person? Seriously? Oh, no, two? Okay. Maybe a few more. Oh, I see some down here. Okay. Uh, all right. So, grab your devices out. Um, jump to uh, version or grab your Bible out and turn to Matthew 4. Um, Matthew 4. So, this is a passage that actually Ben referred to this morning. He also um, preached about God's Word, in case you had no idea what we were going to be talking about. And um, Matthew 4 is a wonderful passage, so we are going to jump straight into it. It'll be up on the screen in case you haven't found it yet. So, let us read this together. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. I would too if it was 40 days and 40 nights, my goodness. During that time, the devil came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the Scriptures say, people don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the Son of God, jump off. For the Scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you and they'll hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus said, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. Thank goodness. So that's a pretty full-on little story for such a short story. Um, so give that a bit of time to, to percolate, and we'll come back to that. Um, so we're in this series called Better Together, and the last couple of weeks we've talked about uh, we talked about connect groups. We talked about water baptism. Last week we talked about the value of serving, and um, in many ways I kind of I've heard it explained that uh, being connected in in a church is much like having a, a conduit or a pipe that connects you with every other member in the body of Christ or in the church, right? So in this, uh, in this conduit, we are passing stuff back and forth to each other and we are learning from each other's experiences. We're passing uh, emotions where they need to go. We are learning from each other. Um, but not only is there stuff that moves in between us that makes us all connected as a church, as a body, but there's also this other one which goes vertically and that is our conduit or, or connection between us and our Creator, God. That is how we are wired, that's how we are designed, engineered, created as human beings, is to have this connection, right? To go up and down and then to reach out sideways. So that's how I've had it explained to me and that's kind of what's been going through my head the last few weeks, that these connections are vital. Seven vital ways to connect. We've talked a little bit about this as well as a little bit about this. Tonight is going to be about this, moving up and down, our connection with God. So, um, before we go any further, I'll press pause and say, uh, Daily Hope. I'm going to refer to this a bit, so I just want to say what this is at the outset, um, so that, you know, we can kind of all be on the same page. If you know what this is already, bear with me for 10 seconds. So, Daily Hope is taking 20 minutes at least, that's what we kind of recommend, but taking time out of your day to spend with your Creator God, to spend... Uh, investing in the relationship that you have, spending time reading God's Word, spending time praying about what you're learning to grow closer to God. He is so crazy about you 
that we need to make this time to get to know him. And so when I refer to daily hope, that's what I'm talking about. All right, press play again. Um, so seven vital ways to connect. What I want to talk to you about tonight is um, building depth and consistency in our daily hope is irreplaceable. If we're talking about the seven vital ways that we can connect, building depth and consistency in our daily hope is irreplaceable. I don't know about you, um, but life is busy, and we don't really need more and more reasons to do more and more things. There's so much out there that we can already do and partake of. But what I, what I would love to be able to do tonight is, um, okay, I'll back up a little bit. In the teaching world, I'm studying teaching, um, in the teaching world, they say that it's much more powerful if motivation comes from within rather than an external environment, or basically a guy like me standing on a platform like this telling people like you to, you know, read your Bibles more. It needs to come from an internal motivation. So I guess what I have been um, learning and uh, journeying through as I've been preparing for tonight and, and years in the past is discovering where it can come from from within. How do we foster this uh, depth and consistency in our relationship with God that can sustain us through so many times? So, what I'd love to be able to do is tell you a bit of a story. Um, so, a couple of years ago, I realize all my, all my stories start with a couple of years ago, but seriously, 2013, the beginning of 2013, um, I'll tell you about a time that I went to Greece. Now, I was going to Greece not on a holiday, but it was with a church planting team, um, to help as part of my uh, as part of my last year of Bible college, and it was one of the most rewarding things I ever did. Um, and I was there in a city called Thessalonica. Yes, it is the same city of the Thessalonians the, the, that Paul wrote his letter to in the Bible. Um, I was, you know, hanging out with people, getting to know the youth, getting to know the people in the church, helping uh, plant a church amongst the gypsy people that lived about 20 minutes outside of the city, um, and uh, and all of that fun stuff that goes along with uh, a missions trip. It's like it's very um, it's very satisfying, it was very rewarding, but I will say that for the first three weeks, I was there for six weeks, uh, and for the first three weeks, um, I was doing so much, and by the halfway point, I found that um, suddenly, none of this stuff that I was doing was, um, was feeling, I don't know, it wasn't filling any void anymore, it wasn't, um, it wasn't satisfying in any way, shape, or form. I realized that the more I was giving out, the, the emptier and emptier I was becoming. And it was almost as if the stuff that I was doing, I was going through the motions and I was happy to be there, but it became very hollow to me. And it's kind of like that feeling when you're, you know, you're working in a job that you don't really enjoy, but you just kind of show up because, you know, well, you need the money and it's the right thing to do. Um, and that's kind of the feeling that I was getting by the third week. And not only that, we could chalk it up to, um, you know, culture shock or exhaustion, lack of sleep or any number of things. But I was really exhausted. Like, I was really tired and um, not like I wasn't functioning properly. And I was just kind of mentally checking out. And, um, and I realized that I'd kind of been forsaking um, this, this upwards conduit, this connection between me and God. And it was becoming, uh, you know, I was trying to give out so much this way and had so little this way that I was just bleeding myself dry, in a sense. Um, and I feel like this is what, you know, I don't know if you guys can relate to this, but so much crams in on our time that um, we can get so caught up doing things, giving out, uh, receiving back from other people. But if we don't maintain this conduit, this, this connection that we were designed to have from the very beginning with our Creator, then, it, you know, we all fall apart. We eventually bleed ourselves dry. We burn ourselves out. Um, 
one, so, you know, three weeks in, I'm really exhausted. This is, um, this is a time when uh, I was staying in an apartment in the middle of the city, and um, the, the pastor who was there, he, he told me from the very first night I arrived that um, nightlife in Greece is really a thing, like it's big. Um, people stay out till, you know, the wee hours of the morning, and that's completely normal. There's, you know, stuff open till midnight, and uh, it's quite normal. So um, he told me, as we're, as he's touring, you know, giving me a little bit of a tour of the apartment, um, he's saying, all right, so over there is that little door. That uh, is the elevator to the bottom. Now, I didn't take you up there because it's really tiny and you wouldn't have fitted with all your stuff in there, but uh, if somebody comes banging on that door at around sort of, you know, anywhere between 10.30 and midnight, it's going to be one of two options. Um, it's either going to be uh, the group of young adults that are kind of loosely associated with the church. They like hanging out with me. We watch soccer and play cards and stuff until the early hours of the morning. Or it will be, um, it'll be a drug addict who's wanting to get all of your money to get his fix. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was my orientation. I won't forget it. And uh, I kind of was wondering, what have I landed myself into? Because I was alone in this apartment building. There was kind of a church on the third floor, some empty floors, and then empty floors above, or like businesses and stuff. And um, so lo and behold, three weeks in, um, uh, at about 10.30 at night, I, the, the, door, the door on the other side of the elevator with a dodgy lock on it starts um, thumping. And I'm like, uh, is this like the group of young adults, or is it drug addicts coming to get my money? So I like poke my head out of my room and, and um, trying to listen what's going on in the elevator. And thankfully, I recognize his voices. I'm like, oh, okay, good. It's, it's, the, it's the young guy. So I open the door and they're like, hey, we should go and do something. We should go hang out together. Let's, um, let's go get a bite to eat at this place that I know of. And then we'll come back and we'll watch a soccer game. I'm like, guys, I'm exhausted. Like, I don't, I don't they're like, come on, it'll be great. And so, um, yeah, so I went out and uh, the, the following day I was a complete write-off and um, no, I didn't go out clubbing or drinking or anything, but it was just a really, uh, like, I was so exhausted. I was so drained in so many ways. And uh, it, it finally took me three whole days of reconstruction, of getting back into God's Word to realize, oh my goodness, I have completely negle neglected my own relationship with God. And that taking the time to read God's Word was um, something that I'd forgotten in the three weeks since I had arrived. And um, so, yeah, in all the busyness, how are we going to build depth and consistency in our daily hope? So I want to give you just three simple things um, that I believe can help us to motivate us from the inside out uh, to build this depth and consistency in taking time uh, to spend in God's Word. So number one, it comes from knowing how powerful God's Word is. As we, just uh, as we just saw in that video, this book is going to outlast us. It's been here long before us. It'll be here long after we're dead. They're all of those statistics that you just saw. It's one of the most unique books out there in that while you are reading it, it will read you. It will speak to the circumstances and situations in your life. God's Word is eternal. Flesh and bones decay, but God's Word lasts forever in um, in 1 Peter 24, uh, verses 24 and 25, it says, People are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. You know, it's the most powerful weapon that we have. If we rewind a little bit back to that story that we read right at the start about Jesus being tempted in the desert, it was the most powerful weapon that he had. Ben had some amazing props up here this morning. There he is at the back. Uh, you know, he had like a really cool samurai sword and had a, um, a light up here, but it is the most powerful weapon that we have. Um, you know, in that passage, Jesus uses the scriptures to defend himself against 
the temptations that the devil was throwing at him at his absolute weakest moment. Um, And I think God's word, if we spend time to immerse ourselves in it, there are so many results that you'll start to see growing in your life. I've put a few up on the screen. I'm going to read through them really quickly. It makes your convictions stronger. God's sovereignty becomes so much clearer. The Old Testament comes alive in ways it never has before. You get to see the story of God's people from creation until the early church. God's love and promises stream out from the text. Jesus' love for his people becomes crystal clear when you see the story of his life and death and resurrection illustrated from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. And your commitment to him, to follow him in all ways, solidifies and you begin to see the big picture. And that's God's kingdom glorified. The Bible, in a lot of ways, is, is like a telescope. You know, I can, um, I can spend my time sort of looking at a telescope, uh, but all I'll see is a telescope, unless I actually look through the telescope, and then I get to see a whole nother dimension in a way. You know, we get to see stars, planets, a whole nother world that we never knew existed. And that's kind of the way that um, we should approach the Bible. It's something that we should look through to see the kingdom of God unfolding. It's, it's stories, it's promises. There are so many things that if we can look through the pages that are written there and see what, and ask God to talk to our hearts what's going on, we will see, we will see amazing things. And it's only something you can do when we take the time to spend in God's word. So n- number one, so as I said, it comes from knowing how powerful God's word is. Number two, it comes from establishing a rhythm. You know, I, there's that verse in Matthew that says, um, that my, you know, my burden is easy. Um, and come to me, Jesus is saying, if you're heavy laden and I'll give you rest. It's, spending time with him is not supposed to be something that is a burden to us. It's not supposed to be something that we're like, oh, okay, we get up in the morning and we feel like, all right, I need to do this. Um, but it's supposed to be something that comes from within. It's supposed to be something that we can just kind of step into. So to help you kind of create a rhythm, there's really, I mean, there's plenty of suggestions. Here's some I pulled from the internet because why not? Um, so... The first one is, think of it like, instead of spending time, think of it as making an appointment with God. So if you make an appointment with somebody, and for some you know, reason you, you just can't make it, you physically can't make it, then what do you do? You kind of reschedule and make sure that you get there. And you spend that time, and you kind of block that time out in your calendar. That's what I'd encourage you to do. Establish a specific time each day you know, to make that appointment. Uh, and minimize the distractions. For me, this is a big one. I pull out a notepad, stick it there. If I think of something while I'm doing my 20 minutes in the chair, while I'm doing Valley Hope, I'll write it down so that I can come back to it later. Um, Choose a Bible and a reading plan uh, and interact as you read. There's that SOAP method, uh, which I'm not going to spend time on, but it's basically scripture, choose a scripture, observe, observation, what are you, uh, what's it saying to you? Application, how does it make a difference in your life? And pray, pray through the stuff that you're reading. Um, yeah, there's, uh, there's this quote by um, George Muller, who was an evangelist. Uh, he established uh, so, many, um, so many schools, and he established one of the largest orphanages ever in the 1800s. And, um, and he said, I look upon it as a lost day when I have not had a good time over the Word of God. Friends often say, I have so much to do, so many people to see. I can't find time for scripture study. Perhaps there are not many who, who have more to do than I. For more than half a century, I've never known one day where I've not had a lot more business than I could get, possibly get through. For four years, I've annually had blah, 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 and he talks about statistics and you know how amazing he is. Not really. But um, then, as a pastor of a church, he said, 
I have been giving out so much. But the blessing that he has received from spending time in God's word and making time for God's word has been immensely powerful. So, number two, making sure that we establish a rhythm. So, so important. And finally, as I kind of wrap this up, it comes from knowing that God is good. And I think to me this feels like a cliched statement because I've heard it so many times before. But honestly, knowing at your core that God is good changes the way that you respond to what you are reading. Uh, in 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Peter's basically saying, you should really want to desire to read the Word of God if, if you have tasted for yourself that the Lord is good. If you don't know that the Lord is good, then we kind of, I don't know, we, we, tend to, we tend to try and cover up who we are rather than run toward Him, especially in times when we're busy and stressed and under load. When we don't, uh, when we don't view God as good, we, we tend to try and cover ourselves. You know, all of us, um, myself included, we have areas of our lives that we are just really hesitant to give over to God. Maybe it's a particular sin pattern, maybe it's something that we really desire and we're afraid we're never going to get it. Maybe, uh, maybe, it's something that we're, maybe it's something that we're worried that will never happen, uh, even, though, even though we've been promised it in the past. What I want to encourage you in is that surrendering our whole lives to God, although it is terrifying, will give us uh, an amazing sense of security when we know from the core of our being that God is good. So, as I close this up, I want to challenge you that maybe our answer, maybe the answer to, you know, that we have, like, when we, um, sorry, I'm kind of mixing myself up in my head now, but, oh, cool. Um, so when we, have, um, when we have so many things that are drawing on our time, when we have so many uh, opportunities that come our way that want to drag us away from spending our time with God each day, maybe the answer to that isn't just to resolve to be better, maybe it's not to you know, set yet another New Year's resolution, uh, hop on another Bible plan or try harder to accomplish something. Maybe it starts with re-examining and adjusting how you view God and how you view yourself. The world's going to try and offer you lots of answers to the problems that you have in your life, but you will only know that there is something better if you know that God is good. And that'll motivate you to go seeking for it, seeking for the answers that God gives us in His Word. You know, Jesus found the strength that He needed to hold on to truth, even in His physically weakest moment, because of the relationship, that conduit that He had established with God through, you know, the knowledge of God's Word and through spending time with His Father. Throughout His ministry, He would keep taking time out, you know, climbing a mountain or something, to get away and to spend time with his father. We can find strength even in our weakest moments because of our relationship with God and our knowledge of God's word and promises. And I suppose the question that's been posed a couple of times over the last few weeks, and I'm gonna you know, quote it here, why do we feel like we don't need this when Jesus clearly did? I know I make mistakes all the time. I know I choose the wrong priority, I choose to get distracted instead of spending time investing in God's Word, 
but I want to leave you with a bit of a story. Um, so this one is more than just a couple of years ago. <laughs> um, when I was 11 years old, my parents divorced. And I guess as an 11-year-old, you kind of process what you can at that age. Um, but as teenage years came around, uh, I, and I was looking for, you know, that male role model in my life, um, there were so many lies that I was being fed by the enemy um, and by, you know, like that root of bitterness that had really taken hold in my heart, uh, especially against my dad, that it wasn't... Um, yeah, that it, it just started to consume who, who I was and, um, and I began to lose myself to this um, unforgiveness in a lot of ways and you know, that started to show itself to arguments and addictions and vowing that I wasn't going to become like my dad, um, like my dad had been. Um, but, but honestly, I was powerless and like the more I strived to try to do the opposite, I'd find myself doing the same. And... And I knew of God, like I, I knew who God was, and I had plenty of, uh, I, not plenty, but I had some understanding of who He was. I'd experienced a relationship with Him, um, but I didn't have any promises to cling to, and I wasn't looking for them either. And I guess somewhere in my core, I started to doubt the goodness of God. You know, like if God's got such an amazing plan for my life, then, um, you know, where, where, is a, where is an example? Where do I see that in a guy in a, as a practical example? Um, and my mum really didn't know what to do with me, um, except to send me out on my bike. And I spent a lot of time riding around. That's how I got to work. That's how I, w I got to where I needed to go. So she would send me out on my bike um, of an afternoon or, or just whenever she could tell that just things weren't going well for me. Um, and she didn't really sort of say anything in particular, but she would always have one prerogative, and that was that I would take a Bible, a journal, and a pen with me. So I'd put them in my backpack and, you know, sometimes I'd go off and, and just do my own thing and, you know, chill out in town, catch up with people or whatever. Um, but as time went on and I began to struggle with this more and more internally and it became such a paradox of, you know, who I was trying to be versus who I was actually becoming um, that I decided that I would give the stuff that was in my bag, I would give it a go. And... It was, it was amazing. I would get on my bike. Um, I think there's probably a slide that'll be up on the screen. I found this particular spot um, in Caloundra on the Sunshine Coast. Uh, it's a little memorial sort of area that looks out over the, over the ocean. And um, yeah, I began to discover God's word for myself. I began to look through and I found, I found promises. I found promises of a heavenly father that, that loved me, the fact that I was created in my heavenly father's image. I began to find this whole other uh, purpose and identity in God's word. I began to see for myself how powerful this book really was. And so I started to make more time and space for this. Every time, every time I needed time out and mum would be like, just, you know, take a ride, literally. Um, then I would jump on my bike and I actually found myself more often than not at this particular spot in God's word, completely reconstructing what I was believing and what I felt. And as I began to do that, I began to understand God's goodness. And that slowly transitioned into a, into a new chapter and a new purpose in my life. I guess what I want to say to you is that God longs to have a relationship 
with you. And like he knows you and he loves you intensely already. Uh, and you don't have to impress him. It's not like a, it's not like a thing where he's going to give you a gold star if you go 52 days uninterrupted of daily hope, 20 minutes in the chair. We're not, we're not a completionist here. We're not trying to unlock a certain amount of XP on our Xbox. Um, it's, about, it's about getting to know each other. It's about making that appointment. It's about growing that conduit, growing your capacity, growing your capacity to, to communicate and to hear from the one who created you. He just wants to get you to know him more. Is it all right if I pray? And then we're going to stand and we're going to sing about the hope that we have in God. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for each one in this room. Thank you that they're here tonight for a reason. Thank you that you know exactly like all of the details of everything that they face in their life. You know the struggles, you know the hurts, you know the pains, you know the celebrations, you know the, uh, just the wonderful things that might be happening. God, you know us and love us so intensely. Help us to pursue you. Help us to be, help us to see you for the good God that you are, for a loving, as a loving father. Help us to spend time to sit at your feet, to get to know you. Thank you for the gift of your word. May you help each of us, whether we have started our journey, whether we've been going on our journey for many years, wherever we are, God, encourage us, inspire us to spend time in your word, spend time getting to know who you are, what you've done for us, the promises that you speak over us. Thank you for your goodness, God. Look, I would um, I just encourage you that if you have been doing this and you have been doing Daily Hope for a while, that's awesome. Keep doing it. And I guess grow, continue to go dig deeper, ask questions. I went to an apologetics thing just, um, uh, just yesterday morning and it's talking about science and God and how we reconcile those things. If you have questions, dig deeper. Spend that time getting to know Him. And if, you, if all this is new to you and you're just exploring it for yourself for the first time, can I encourage you, crack open that book. Find a Bible. I'm sure there's one nearby. If you haven't got one, get it on your device or something like that. Start with the Gospels. Start with the story of Jesus. Dig into who He is. Wherever you're at, God's Word will speak to you. And He is longing to have a relationship with you. Let's sing.